If you're tired of dieting and stepping on the scale, you're lacking energy and confidence, and you're ready to harness your inner athlete, then you're in the right place. I'm Sherry Shaban, and in each episode, I'll help you to rebuild your fitness identity and empower your deepest transformation so that health and fitness are not just what you do, but who you are. What's up, athletes? Welcome back to the show. Our health and fitness is not just what we eat and how much we move, but is also massively impacted by our environment, our stress, and our relationships. In my advanced transformation program, we learn about the 10 life spheres of transformation. Relationships and connection is our sixth sphere and has just as much influence on our health and fitness as our nutrition and training does. Think about it. How much energy do our relationships take away from us when there is a block or disalignment that shows up? It impacts our entire week, our motivation, our energy, our self-care. In fact, we have to put in more effort just to overcome that lower energy hurdle. Today, to talk to us about self-empowerment in our relationships, breakup and divorce is Kelly Calabrese, founder of Intentionally Fabulous, a community that helps women heal and live an amazing bonus life. Hi, Kelly. Thanks so much for coming on to the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So am I. You know, today we get to talk about something really, really important, and I feel that it's something that's that's oftentimes overlooked for many of us as a place where it becomes a part of one of the pillars that we have to work on in terms of health. And of course, that being relationships. So you've been in the fitness industry for 34 years. And today you're doing a lot of work around empowering women after divorce. How did this start for you? Yeah, so I knew really early on that I wanted to be in fitness. And you know, we do things to move away from pain and towards pleasure. So I had a really strong family history of heart disease, diabetes, obesity, stroke, cancer, alcoholism, cigarette smoking. I just looked at all of that and I was like, ooh, I don't want any of that. But I also was moving towards, like I loved when I was running and jumping and swimming and dancing and softball. So at 13, I wrote in my diary, I will be an exercise therapist. And I had to wait till I was 17 to get certified and I've gotten degrees and certification and it's been an awesome career. I wake up every day, honestly, excited, even all these years later to help people be well. Mm. And I've been blessed to do so many different things, best-selling author, travel the world speaking, been on all the major networks, owned health company. It's been amazing. And then I had this massive turning point three years ago when my husband of 25 years came home and said, my commitment to our marriage is zero. And he left Hmm. and it rocked my world. I mean, it completely blindsided me. It was like a tornado came in, blew up my world and left this gaping hole in my heart. And even with all the personal development that I have studied and I taught, nothing prepared me for that. And so I went on this journey, really taking a sabbatical, what I lovingly refer to it as, for two years and pressing into how do you heal from this? You know, how do you come back from this? And I discovered so many amazing things by, you know, going on retreats and going to summits and reading the books and talking to the gurus and going through counseling and the healing place and divorce recovery. I mean, I pressed in like it was my job. I wanted to understand, like, how do you get well? And I can say now, you know, three years later that I have come out on the other side and I never in a million years thought I would say this, but I'm glad that it happened because of the person that I've become. Never wanted the divorce story. I knew it wasn't going to be easy or fun. But now having done the work, I'm like, thank God that isn't my life anymore. And wow, I'm just in an awesome place. Wow, that's so exciting and and so much hope for so many of us. I think my first question for you really is how how do you not see it coming? And I I don't mean this in, in a negative way, but I think this happens to many of us that we assume we're living a certain way. But how did it happen for you that you didn't see that relationship ending? 
Yeah, it is definitely a slow fade. I mean, it's happening over time. You're taking two people who come with whatever messes and brokenness that they have and you put them together. And when I met my husband, I was 22, he was 33. He was recently divorced, recently foreclosed on, recently bankrupt, um, was living with a woman, owed money to the IRS, owed money all over town, and his business was a broken down limousine. And I said, this is the man for me. I can fix this. Like my, the coach in me at 22 years old with a master's degree and a few certifications was like, this guy will always love me. And I was the oldest firstborn, you know, type A, and he was the baby and he was fun and funny. And so I just thought he'll always love me because he did. But, you know, as you go on looking now from this higher place, looking back and understanding the number one thing everyone wants is unconditional love. Yeah. He just really loved for who we are. And he did. He didn't want to be changed. He didn't want to be better. He had 26 jobs in 26 years and not a lot of, you know, fruit in his life. And he was just the happy guy, kind of the class clown. And I you kind of get in another dish. So he was in the kind of irresponsible, foolish, fun dish. So I became like disciplined mom and, you know, the intense one. And so you've got two things where the number one thing a man wants is to be respected. Right. The number one thing a woman wants is to feel secure. Well, I never felt secure with him because he was so reckless and foolish and changing jobs and I could never rely on him that made him difficult to respect. So because he didn't feel respected, I didn't feel secure. And, you know, looking back now, it, it just gets ugly. And so he eventually got to a point where he was like, this, this is no fun anymore. And so he, you know, went off and within a month of our divorce was re-engaged and a few months later remarried. So it wasn't, neither one of us were having fun, but I was the eternal optimist, idealist, almost, Pollyanna-ish, just speaking life and believing. And um, he just got to a point where he was like, enough, I'm done. And he left. Right. And, you know, I, I like that you said that you stayed because you felt that you could fix the situation. You're being, you know, you being a coach and having that background where you're helping people create transformations in their lives. Of course, your first go first to first go to feeling is, well, I can fix the situation as well. You know, many of us meet our spouses or meet our partners very early in our life. And I truly believe that it's by the age of 40 that we reach that mental maturity and we step into who we truly are. And then it's amazing also to see that with such a long history in a relationship that we've gone through so many different struggles, either with the person or separately. And understanding that who we were probably 20 years ago is not who we are today. And it's learning that we not only have to grow for ourselves, but we also have to grow together as a couple. Yeah, that is so true. Who you are at 20 and 40 and, and later is definitely different. And I have always been a personal development person. In fact, one year for Christmas, I bought us both a year of advanced coaching and mentoring with Brian Tracy. Wow. Fly from New Jersey to San Diego every other month and spend a whole day with Brian Tracy. And he just looked at me and said, I'm not doing that. And so I gave it to my brother, my brother and I went, but he just kind of dug his heels in and he was, you know, just at a completely different level. So we, you know, I had this growth, growth, growth mindset and he was just happy, you know, going to work, you know, sitting on the couch, watching baseball. So it was really mismatched in our growth for sure. Mm. And so now that this two year sabbatical that you talk about, how did that time impact your health and fitness? You know, the one thing that was awesome was that I have always been healthy. Like I, there were mornings I absolutely wanted to lay in bed and just was there crying and, you know, that voice in your head, how did this happen to you? You know, all the wrong questions, replaying the story, the injustice, the, you know, how hard I tried all of that. And I go, get up, get up. Get, and I would just get up. And even if I just sat in the gym and breathed some mornings, that was good. But thankfully, you know, my health is always on point. I stuck to my, you know, intermittent fasting and my, you know, whatever I was doing in that season, little, you know, we were always changing. We'd do a little vegetarian stretch and then we do, but always healthy. I mean, I, I could count on one hand how many workouts I missed in two years because I just was in that discipline and that routine. And 
at the time I went through my divorce in my neighborhood, which only had 110 homes, 10 of my friends were going through divorce. Mm. I started to watch. I'm like, everyone is going to do something. And some isolated, some escaped, some turned to wine, some started going to the club, some. And I was like, I, I just want everyone to do something healthy. And a lot of them didn't have good health to start with. So when you add that kind of stress, because a lot of times now you're moving, your kids are changing schools, you're changing churches, you're changing friend groups because all your friends are a couple. I mean, just everything is changing. So there's the stress of attorneys and I mean, it's the most unbelievable stress and my hair started to fall out. I was grinding my teeth. I was having panic attacks. I wasn't sleeping. This was all new for me. I've never not been healthy. So even being healthy, I experienced some of those things. And it made me think about the women who were starting out who, and the men, I'm not, this is not anything against men, but who weren't healthy to begin with. And now they're having all kinds of issues with inflammation and migraines and gut issues and, you know, just can't even function because your brain really does get PTSD. It is a trauma. I mean, my brain wasn't working. I mean, I knew I was driving my kids crazy. They're like, mom, you just asked that mom. We just told you that mom, you just said that. And I knew people were speaking, but literally like I, it was hard to even hold a thought. So I was as healthy as I could be. You know, my energy was good. I got up every day. I work with my clients. Um, but I really feel for the women who have to go through this without their health. That's why I'm even more committed to helping women now, because that's the one thing you can do something about when you can't control what's happening with money and, and houses and exes and attorneys, you can control your sleep, your hydration, right. your movement, your thoughts, all of that. Right. And, and you said it very well. It is a trauma. And in fact, it's it's primarily traumas that are creating those obstacles for us to take that first initiative towards our health and fitness. And, you know, again, a person such as yourself, who is that embodiment of health to hear that you've had to go through all of those struggles, that you started to have feelings of anxiety impacting your sleep and then being able to come out of it from the other side with a brand new perspective is a great source of hope for so many of us. And I love that message that you share all the time, Kelly. I watch you on, on Facebook. I follow you. And it's a constant message of hope. And it's a constant message of working on ourselves from the inside out. And this reminder that we can recreate ourselves to become whoever we want to be. So what is that first step that you take with a new person to help them create that new sense of hope? Yeah, you know, the first thing is really identity. And it, this is the order that I wrote my course in. And it's really knowing who you are and whose you are. So my identity was so lined up with being a wife, with being a mom in the neighborhood I lived in, you know, where I was in my industry and all of it just went away. And when I say, of course, my kids didn't go away, but they were, you know, 17 and 18. So they now they've got licenses, full-time schools, jobs, boyfriends, girlfriends. So I wasn't the mom that I was used to being, which is natural. And you plan for that, but they had their own hurt hearts. And I didn't know this at the time, but they're going to take it out on the stronger parent. And that was me. Mm -hmm. So I totally didn't expect them to really be the way they were towards me, you know, rejecting and just showing me the ugliness because they were hurt. Their worlds were just exploded. So um, it starts with identity and really realizing that all of this is temporary. And if I'm going to line my whole life up with being a wife, that could be gone in a moment. My role as a mom, they're off to college now. That has completely changed. Um, where I was in my industry, I wasn't really working a whole lot. Parts of my business were just falling apart. I couldn't keep up with doing all the things that I was doing when my brain wasn't working. And I moved four times in one year trying to keep my kids in the school district. And so um, identity is number one. Like you have to realize that, you know, we're here and all of this is temporary. But unless for me, I'm keeping my eyes on God. I could just be stressed and a wreck all the time. So that was really the first piece to giving me peace. And then the next part was forgiveness. 
which actually was the last piece for me. It actually happened this last 4th of July and I had studied it and I had said, I forgive him, you know, and then, you know, one little thing would happen. I'd be like, Oh, there's like still that bitter root in there. Like, Oh, so I sat down for three days and I read a book called forgiving forward and I forgave him. And I, the hardest thing was forgiving myself because oh, I yeah. felt such a failure. And so to release that, I mean, it was like something inside me wouldn't let me say that I forgive myself. And then finally I did. And it was a physical, spiritual, emotional, mental release where I'm like, I'm not a failure because of a divorce. It was a chapter. It doesn't define me. And the highest level of forgiveness is when you can not only forgive the person, but bless them in the area that they offended you. So I can say with all of my heart, complete honesty, that I bless my ex-husband and his new wife. I wish them nothing but the best. I hope they complete each other. They live till death do they part. They're happy, joyful. I, I mean it. I have no ill will towards him and certainly not her. If I ever meet her, I will be nothing but kind to her. I've already you know, pre-decided that. So it's deciding to live in pre-forgiveness. Mm. So that was the second part. And that's the, the second part of my program about forgiveness. It is huge. Yeah. So I just live a life pre-deciding to forgive before anyone even offends me because it's not worth being offended. I love that so much. And you know, you're creating an intention around the reaction that you would like to have. So many things happen to us in our lives and we have absolutely no control over it. And sometimes we see them coming and, and sometimes we don't. But what is in our control is that reaction that we have to that event. And then we decide at that moment if we want to become a victim, if we want to hold anger, if we want to hold on to the pain and the responsibility, the guilt, or if we want to, like you said, have this become a chapter of our life that we learn from and that we use to empower so many to help create their transformations as well it's so beautiful well thank you and that's what my program is really about it's i didn't even know what gr the grief cycle was before and even though i've lost my dad i've lost all my grandparents my two of my best friends to cancer i mean I've, I've had hard things in my life you don't live without having hard things but this was the big one for me and i remember friends of mine suggested i go see this one counselor and I said, okay, if you think I should go, I'll go. And the very first session, they do the assessment, you know, they do all their tests. And I go back for the second session. He goes, Kelly, this is one of the healthiest profiles I've ever seen. I've been counseling for 35 years, but you're depressed. Mm -hmm. And I was like, like he told me I had cancer. I was like, wait, no, you don't understand. I'm the encourager. Like I encourage everyone else. I can't be depressed. And I went home. And I allowed myself, I gave myself permission to feel so that I could deal and heal. And so for about two weeks, I really sat in it and I just experienced, yes, this was a disappointment and these dreams were shattered and these expectations weren't met. And I just sat in it. And what I found is in the grief cycle, the shock is the beginning. And then there's sadness and there's anger and there's bitterness and when you get to depression, you're actually on the upswing. And I was like, depression's on the upswing? And somehow, in an odd way, that encouraged me. I'm like, okay, I'm on the upswing. And then eventually, you work your way to adjusting and then health. I'm like, I want to get better than health. I want to be like intentionally fabulous. I want to go like beyond healthy. Mm -hmm. So that was what helped me to really understand the grief cycle and now want to get women through because they get stuck. You know, how many women do you know that go through something, whether it's divorce or some kind of loss, and they stay there in bitterness and sadness, depression, anger, whatever, wherever they get stuck. And I want to just take their hand and go, you know, come on, I can pull you through this. Yeah, we're so hard on ourselves. I feel like as women, we are, we are always taking on the responsibility. Everything is, I don't want to say it's about us, but it's within our power to change. And we are responsible for our kids. We're responsible for our marriage. We're responsible for our relationship. We're responsible for work. We take on so much. And in the end, it's not being able to let go of a little bit of that responsibility that keeps us holding on to that shame, that blame, and ultimately allowing us to get past it. Yeah. 
And especially if we have kids, I feel, right? Absolutely. Women are really good at putting themselves last and their life gets out of order. And we're always training people how to treat us. So when you're putting your spouse and your kids and your work and your everything before you, now you're showing your family that you're not valued, you're not worthy, you're not lovable, you're, you know, however you've trained them because we give the best of everything to everyone else and then we're empty and we're not refilling ourselves with love and joy and peace and kindness and we're giving, giving, giving and then we feel deflated and we want someone to come around and just kind of scoop us up and adore us and make us feel secure and loved. And we can't really rely on another human being to do that. <laughs> That's why I was like, okay, any human is going to fall short of that. So my hope can't be in that. And I do plan on having another relationship sometime down the road. I'm not dating right now, still really just, you know, excited to be working on me. But in the future, I know that there's no one human that I can just expect to meet all of my needs. It's not possible. Yeah, I like that you say that, too. And, and you know, coming back to you, to your point around us women being in charge and, and sort of putting our, ourselves last, I could not agree more. And it's probably one of the most common things I hear when I'm working with new athletes, too, that generally we don't have time because i have kids i can't because i'm driving my kids to school or i can't because i have all of these other responsibilities with my children and it's always a reminder that as we are boarding a plane and we're listening to all of you know the emergency routine the first thing that they tell us is as soon as that oxygen mask drops you put it on yourself first so that you're able to care for others around you and when I see this as the best possible metaphor for us to really absorb, it's probably the place of greatest resistance. So how do we start putting ourselves first as women before divorce or even after divorce? Yeah, the, the self-love, the self-care, the self-esteem, it needs to start with us building it ourselves. And I know, Sherry, we met through M1, which is a, a high level, you know, mastermind group where we're all in there to be better. We hold our own feet to the fire. And one of the things that I know everyone in that tribe believes in is affirmations. You know, we have the Sunday system for success where we set our week up very intentionally. And so my morning routine, it's something, you know, high level people do includes breath work, affirmations, yoga, exercise. Uh, I, there's a drink that I drink every morning. So that's part of my nutrition. And so I have my morning routine that now I don't have little kids right now or husband, but I get up two hours before my first appointment. And those two hours, including a hot shower, or, you know, are my time. But it, it starts with, I have one of those um, electromagnetic mats. So I do a 12 minute just breath and affirmation while I'm on the mat. And then I, you know, I have my routine. So that's my morning self-care. Like I am worth it. And when I start my day with that, my energy is up. I've filled myself with joy. I filled myself with everything I need for the day, my intentions. So you've got to do it yourself. You can't expect anyone else to give that to you. You've got to like adult up and do it. Be our own encouragers, our own best cheerleaders. Yeah, essentially owning it is what you're saying, right? Taking out responsibility and no one's going to make this easier for me. I have to do it. I can't start blaming all of the things not going right in my life or my inability to commit to any particular goal because of other people around me or even other events around me. But also, I, I agree with you, it's that sacred first few hours of the morning that really sets up my day. I know when I don't give myself that time, my day does not, it does not end up as energetic as it could be. And I know I don't show up for my best, for my kids, for my clients, for everything else that I want to do in my day. Self-care is so important. Again, it's putting that oxygen mask on first before you tend to others. So what is, what is, I, I think the question also now is, is where do we go then from that place of depression to believing that this is the uphill? I know you heard it, but, yeah. but where do we get that hope? Yeah, I would say, I mean, 
start by writing 10 affirmations. And some of these women that I've worked with, I mean, they're at such a low point. They're like, Kelly, I can't think of one. I'm like, one affirmation, like you can't think of one. And that's where they are. They've been, you know, physical, mental, emotional, whatever kind of, you know, whatever people have been through horrific things. So if you can start by writing 10 affirmations and read them out loud for 10 minutes every day, just start there. Start with that one thing, just let that wash over you and do that for a few days. And then a few days later, write a love list. What do you love about yourself? And I'm shocked by how many women can't come up with 10 things that they love about themselves. So I'll say to them, even just think about one thing about your health, one thing about family, one thing about relationships, one, like, even if you can come up with one thing, um, you know, do you love your smile? Do you love your hair, your skin? I mean, something fine. And then start to just receive these things and let it wash over you. Um, so those are things to start and then start to design your day so that it's fabulous so that it's epic and that includes gratitude so every night i write in my i fill a page i don't stop until i can fill a page with things i'm thankful for and these things might sound kind of hokey but they work in time they work before you know it, you're finishing your day because you are looking for the gratitude you realize like oh my goodness who else has a day like this like this was this was awesome this happened this happened this has happened and um, you know, it was there all along. You just weren't looking for it. And when you're turning your receiver on to look for things to be grateful for, all of a sudden you're finding them. And it's this whole universal principle of giving and receiving. You can't just give and 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 you're empty. You need to say, yes, thank you. I received that compliment or yes, yeah. thank you for, you know, carrying my groceries to the car. I received that we are so independent as women. No, no, no. I got, I want to do myself. We don't ask for help. It's just silly. Yes. Let someone help you just like you got joy out of doing for someone else. It made you feel good to buy someone's groceries or take a friend to tea or whatever. Be on the risk, like turn your receiver on, be on the receiving end. And you don't owe someone just because they did something nice for you. That's how I used to think like, Oh, now I got to buy them dinner. To no, it blessed them to bless you. So don't block their blessing. That's how it works. We're so good at giving and doing, but not receiving and be open to that. And it's amazing since I've done that, what has happened? Literally, I got invited to stay on a yacht for a week. It cost me nothing. They wouldn't even let me pay for food. And I'm like, yes, I'm receiving this. Like all of the people listening, you have done great things in your life. You have helped a lot of people. You deserve to receive. Turn the receiver on. So well said, Kelly. Oh, man. I think it's so easy for us to find 70 things that we don't like about ourselves or that we want to change about ourselves. But that's true. Once we're asked, what do we love about ourselves? That's where we truly struggle. It's our default to constantly look at that negative. And similar to you, for so many years, I would also deflect every single compliment. If somebody called me a badass, it would be, no, but you're a bigger badass. Or if somebody would say something nice to me, no, but you're better. No, you're cooler. No. And you realize exactly what you said. You deflect every single compliment. And we're so easy to give. And we're constantly giving and thinking of new ways of how we can help others. And yet we can't even take a compliment. And that's definitely something I start off with as well with my athletes. This shift in identity is going to come from many things. It's, it is going to come from the I am statements. It's going to come from the affirmations. I can't make a change in my health and fitness if I truly don't even believe in that new identity. If I don't believe that I can become that person. You know, and if any of us as moms, if we're talking to our kids the way that sometimes we speak to ourselves, I mean, we, we know the damage that that creates. We would never do that because we know how harmful that is for our children. Yet when it comes to us, we have no problems throwing out negative comments all the time or looking in the mirror and thinking something negatively about ourselves. It's so unbelievably harmful and it's, it's our greatest block. It's really our, our, our reason why we cannot progress. Yes, and that is chapter three of that. <laughs> renewing your mind. 95% of what we do after the age of 35 is habitual. So we just get stuck in this same pattern that we've 
you know, engraved and it doesn't get better. It just usually gets worse, you know, with time, unless we're doing something new and better. And so replaying that story over and over in your head and asking all the wrong questions and having that victim, that low level victim mindset and just laying in that is awful. And there were mornings where I had to get myself up. I'm like, get up, get up, get up. And I go outside and get on my bike and the tears would just be streaming from my eye, but I had to get up and ride. And I couldn't stay in that victim mindset because it was unjust and it was vicious and it wasn't you know, nice or fair the way it went down. But it's up to me to be a big girl and get up and pull myself back together and start speaking life and start speaking just about today and what I'm grateful for, and then start to envision this incredible, exciting, fabulous future that I get to create. So the tipping point, if you look at victim energy being the lowest and love, joy, peace, you know, being at the top, the tipping point is courage. Mm. So having the courage to say, yep, I'm going to write 10 affirmations down and I'm going to send them to Sherry and I'm going to commit to reading them to out loud 10 minutes every day. That's courage. Start there. And then I'm going to write a gratitude every day. I'm going to take a picture of it. I'm going to send it to Sherry. I'm going to show her that these are the things I'm grateful for. And then when it's a habit, you can stop sending it to Sherry, but it's the courage to start somewhere. And it's okay if you do it for yourself, but we know the power of the accountability too. There's going to be some people who have more than me. There's going to be some people who have less than me. But if I'm going to be better, then I have nothing to lose. I'm doing it. I'm putting it out there. I'm being real. Like, what good is it going to serve me to you know, tell myself lies or to hide or not play all in? I'm doing it. Right. It's courage to be vulnerable and to show those parts of us that we are embarrassed about or those yep. parts of us that we are so afraid to ask help in. But yeah. those are the most important parts. Those are our anchors. And I love this conversation because it really is this shift in mindset, this being vulnerable, asking for help, understanding that I need to change the way that I think. I need to change my relationship with myself and my expectations of myself if I'm ever going to see any change and any transformation in any different area of my life whether that's relationships or the financial area or health and fitness as we're talking about today. Yes. And it's so hard for us to be vulnerable. It I feel is. like we, we feel that we're under attack all the time. Mm -hmm. And truly the only person who's attacking us is ourselves. We are our worst critics. Yeah, and social media doesn't make it easier. I mean, comparison is the thief of joy. Yes. It will steal your joy if you're going to sit there all day and scroll social media and compare yourself to everyone's filters and you know how the, the great life that they're showing the highlight reel on social media, you're going to feel defeat. I mean, research shows, we're not just saying this, that if you're eating dinner at home on a Friday night and you see people eating at a restaurant, even if you cook some delicious, healthy meal, you feel bad about yourself because they're out at a restaurant eating and you're at home. How silly and ridiculous is that? But it's, it's our world. It's what we do. So that's why it's so important that we build our own value up and encourage ourselves and then surround yourself by great people. And besides my health, the other thing that was amazing was my friend game. I have the best friends and at the right time, they just knew to reach out for me and send me a song, a, a little meme, a scripture, a text, something. And I would be crying out for it. Like I would be home on my knees, just, you know, ugly crying. And I'd be like, please send me some encouragement. And I'd check my phone and sure enough, someone would be like, hey, just checking in on you. Wanna go for tea? And so just, you know, putting that energy out there and asking, you know, asking for what you want when you need it. And it will show up. I mean, it's pretty miraculous how it happens. Yeah, it truly is. Your environment is everything, your physical environment, your social environment. And especially when we're going through a traumatic event such as divorce, having that right support around you and eventually also becoming the teacher, as you have done yourself, is the best way to come out of it. If I'm going to teach others and help others to improve their life, well, then I have to step up. I have to do everything that I am asking my people to do as well, my tribe to do. Yes. So that's actually chapter four, <laughs> which is perfect. So when I was 13 and I said, I will be an exercise therapist. When I was 17, I wrote the mission statement. I will provide individuals with the tools to make health, fitness, and wellness 
a permanent and enjoyable part of their lives. I'm 50, well, I'll be 52 this year. So that was a long time ago, but that still serves me. Like that purpose is still inside me. And for those of you out there who feel the greatness inside you and you just like your whole life, you feel like you've meant to do something really amazing, but you just haven't done it yet. That's still inside you. Like your soul is perfect. You just need to connect to it. So the the chapter four is about purpose. And just because your path, maybe your life doesn't look the way you thought it does, then your purpose is still in there. You can still make it happen, but use the, you know, the hard things as the lessons. Anyone who's ever done anything great will tell you they learn more from the quote failures than they did from the successes. So you just use this, you know, this is ammunition and your purpose is even greater. I mean, there's not pretty much every story in the Bible is some type of overcoming adversity, difficulty, things not looking and going the way people plan, but it's just the way that it had to be. Like none of it is wasted. It's all being orchestrated. And now I get to use this because it made me a better person to have a deeper understanding for women and relationships. And I can help them even more from a soul, mind, body perspective. Right. I, I love that you say that. And, you know, it takes a moment to just think about your life and ask yourself whether or not you're doing things on purpose or you're doing things in your purpose. And generally, when we're doing things on purpose, it's because those are the expectations that others have of us. Those are the expectations that we have of ourselves. Maybe our parents put those expectations on us. We're, we're seeming to please everyone around us. And it's not that inner voice and inner fire that's making us make these choices around us. But when we're in our purpose, that's where we're really aligned. That's where we're really living our life from the inside. And we find that happiness. We find that reason why we're here. And sometimes that reason could be very traumatic. It could be a very painful thing in our past. And we can look at it in a way where, again, we decide to be the victim of that event, or we realize that this had to have happened for me because now I can live in my purpose and I can help others make that change around me. Yes, and I, I love what you said too. In um, chapter eight of my program, the final chapter is celebration, joy, resurrection, because it's not supposed to be all hard. It's not supposed to be all depressing. It's not supposed to be just dragging along, scraping through this life. It, we're supposed to have fun. We're supposed to celebrate. We're supposed to be, you know, joy filled, happy, laughter is medicine. And so the last chapter is about that. Like, let's have this whole new resurrected life, like better than you ever even knew was possible before, better than you could even ask, think, or imagine today. Like that is possible, but you need to create it. You need to do something about it. You need to imagine, envision it. And um, that's, you know, it's part of the purpose too. It all really fits together. Yeah. So for a person, Kelly, right now going through divorce or even having gone through divorce a while back, but still stuck in that place where they're not able to rebuild, what do you feel is the most important starting point for them? Yeah, well, I would definitely say join our Facebook group, Intentionally Fabulous. We talk about the hard things because it is hard. You know, it's your world is blown up. There's so much fear that comes in. In fact, my mouse pad here is about going from, you know, fearful to fearless. And, and that's what this program is. So that group support, like get in there because every day we're talking about encouraging things. We're talking about not looking in the rearview mirror and you're just infusing yourself with truth and infusing yourself with encouragement. You see that you're not alone. So get in that support group because you do feel very alone and isolated when you go through this. You may lose a lot of friends. Friends may take sides. You don't feel like you fit in with couple groups anymore. Um, maybe you loved your in-laws and now, you know, that's not a part of your life. And there's just so much change. So get that support because you'll feel loved there. And just about every day I'm posting videos and so do that for yourself. Just show up in there. Even if you're a fly on the wall, just it's intentionally fabulous is the Facebook group. So get that support. If you need professional help, get professional help. I did. And it helped me really become okay and make decisions, you know, big, important decisions that had to be made. 
So definitely do that. And um, you do need to do it for yourself too. I know it's hard, but surround yourself with people who will encourage you. Move the people out, like way out to the outer, outer circle that are toxic, that are gossips, that are, that pull your energy down, that get you. And it might even be, you know, your mom or someone because they feel bad for you. So your mom gets in there and starts talking about your ex and you find yourself getting in a toxic, you know, language, put those people to the outside or set up those boundaries. You need to protect yourself, protect your heart. Don't receive anything negative. Don't let people, you know, treat you poorly. And you'll be surprised. I also love the book Boundaries by Henry Cloud, Dr. Henry Cloud. Uh, that was powerful for me, even with my kids, because I had to set up boundaries and let them know you can't treat mom that way. You can't treat a woman that way. One day you're going to have a wife and a mother-in-law. And and they noticed the shift because mom was doing something different that they had to respond differently because I was responding differently. So you need to do something different too. But there's some great tools out there that can that can help you. So I would say start with those. Yeah, it's so important to be surrounded by the right environment. And I know you're very active in that group and you're constantly providing a lot of value. You know, when we're new moms, we tend to gravitate towards other new moms because we're learning from them. We're all doing the diapers together. We're doing the strollers together and talking about potty training. And it's so important to remember that we had to go through that experience with people who were going through the same thing in order for us to support each other and grow and help each other. And when it comes to any other area in your life and, and divorce being a part of life as well, it's so important to have that group around you also and to hear others being vulnerable because then you get to share also what you're going through. It is so important. I'm also fascinated by how, you know, it's the same event as a divorce, but how different it is for everyone. So for example, one day I just posted in there, really simple, what did you do with the pictures? Mm-hmm. And I showed like some random pictures in a graphic and it was amazing. Some people were like, oh, the pictures, they're, they're in the attic. I guess when the kids want to, they'll go through them. And other people were like, those pictures, I burned them, I tore them, I... And then other people are like, the pictures, I can't, you know, they just get like, so like, I can't even look, I can't believe. So same question, you know, what did you do with the pictures? And some people were like, I made two albums. I gave one to him. I, you know, so it's just interesting how our past experience comes in to how we handle the same thing. Like, what did you do with the wedding ring or the, you know, so um, everyone does something different. We want them to do something healthy with it is is the point (laughs) don't stay stuck or do something ugly or that you'll regret yeah so so well said you know a lot of times after certain events we we pick up limiting beliefs or we keep we pick up certain beliefs around let's say relationships now in the case of, of our discussion around divorce and we hold on to these beliefs we hold on to these experiences and it makes it so much more difficult for us to be open to a new relationship. And I know you talk about this a lot, opening yourself up to to a new relationship and new possibilities. And as you mentioned before, understanding that I can't get all of my needs from my my one person. So how do you help other women abolish these limiting beliefs that they had around previous relationships? Yeah, you need to go into it um not with any expectations of changing the other person at all. You become the person that you want to attract. Mm-hmm. I remember someone said to me, you know, you have to make a list. And, you know, I, I agree with that to a point. Definitely, you know, make a list of things that you know you highly value. Like they have to have these core values. Like if you're a certain religion and someone else is another or you're not a smoker and they are. And, you know, there's there's definite no's. Like that wouldn't work for me if they're a smoker. There's just, it's just, it could never work. Um, and so kind of have that in mind. But it's really about becoming who you need to become to attract that next higher level person because you're operating on such a high level of energy. So if you're staying in depression and you're staying in you know addiction and victimhood, that's what you're going to attract. So when you can bring up your own level of vibration, 
you're going to attract a higher level person. It is never going to be perfect. There's no such thing as perfectionism. I know women especially are guilty of this. You just can't go for it. You know, you have to look at, um, you know, how can we be united? How can we honor each other's strengths? How can we work with the weaknesses? And, you know, life is it's about what you decide about are you going to get upset over the toothpaste cap kind of thing? And you know, hopefully you get to a point where you're just over that stuff. And it's, those are just small non-issue things. So I would say, get yourself to the highest level possible before you even, you know, consider attracting that next person. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I really feel that we have to complete ourselves as who we are before we look for another relationship, another add on. And you mentioned this earlier too, not expecting certain needs to really be met from, from that one person, everything to be met from that one person. But instead understanding that if I am whole and I understand how to be happy in my purpose with everything around me, then I can open up and attract somebody because I'm ready, I'm complete. And it's not that other person who's going to complete me, but rather, I have to learn how to be independently complete first. Yes, I was chronically disappointed in my marriage. As you can imagine, my expectations were really high, but I was with someone who went through 26 jobs in 26 years. So you can't ever really get established or build momentum or income, especially when you're in sales. And so it was always starting over, starting over. And, you know, so I was just always disappointed. Pointed, you know, he just never had money and never. So when you live relying on someone else to fill your need, you're always going to be disappointed. You're always going to have unmet expectations. And so um, that's why I keep everything between me and God. Like I'm just keeping my eyes on God, that he's my father, he's my provider. And then it just makes things a lot more beautiful in the world and stuff really does start to show up. And it doesn't mean bad things don't happen, but but because you have your life so together, it's just a little blip. It's not a massive gaping hole that was just blown. When you can disciple up your life and all of the gardens, your health and your relationships and your money and your investments and professionally and socially and all of that, if one little, you know, one thing goes sideways, the air conditioner breaks, the car breaks down, whatever, it is not a big deal anymore. But when your whole life is a train wreck that you have no money in the bank and you know, you're, you hate your job and your relationships are falling apart. Now, everything, now it's just like constantly. Like, so try and keep, start somewhere, start with one thing, wherever you feel like you need to work on the most. Cause we tend to always have one that's the best one. And, and that's the one that we do the most of, but pick one and start there and get that area propped up. So maybe it's savings or maybe it's paying off debt or, you know, fix one thing as best you can and then start to work on the others so that when life hits and it's going to, we don't know what that next phone call is going to be, an accident, an illness, a breakdown, a stock market crime. I mean, we don't know, but let's be as well as we can so that it's not even an issue. We can just handle it and keep going. Yeah. And, and wellness is all of those parts of your life. I can't focus on my health and fitness when I've been up all night worrying about money or I can't be happy and, and be kind to myself if I'm in a relationship where I don't feel this way. You know, every single part of our life is health. It is part of who we are. It's extremely important that we don't focus on health and nutrition as just a fitness program that I'm following and some sort of diet that I'm following. But understanding that diet is everything around me that I hear, that I I talk about that I watch on TV, all of those things impact my health. It's so important. So Kelly, what would you like to share with our audience that you haven't had a chance to yet? Well, I mean, in, in closing words, I would say my goal every day is to let love win. That is the barometer. That is the lens that I look through life with. And that's always the question that I ask as I go throughout my day, is love winning? Did love just win in that situation? And love is really just the highest possible good that can happen. Mm. So if you remember, you know, one thing your listeners, your viewers is um, let love win. That's just really simple. 
but that is the ultimate goal for the love inside you to come out of you, to breathe it out, to affect the room when you walk in it so that people kind of lean in and they, they want to gain some of what you have and just to let the love, the peace, the joy that's inside you come out of you. And it's just going to be a pretty blissful life when you do, regardless of what's going on in the news and your town and the world and your neighborhood. Um, so just keep letting love win. That's so beautiful. I appreciate your time so much today, Kelly. You've shared so much value. If somebody were wanting to get in touch with you, I know you mentioned your Facebook group, but where else could they go? Yeah, um, well, Kelly with an I. So kellycalabrese.com is my website. And uh, Intentionally Fabulous, if you're specifically interested in you know recovering from divorce and living this amazing bonus life, you can go there. And there is a Facebook group for that as well. Um, it's a private group. Would love to let you in. It's all ladies. And I have ladies in there who are still living with their husband, fighting for their marriage. And, you know, they get in there. I have people who have just separated, just filed and literally 10 years divorced, but still stuck, still meeting the same man going round and round and round. So really it's, it's for anyone who wants wholeness and healing from their self and any past relationship. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sherry. You are awesome. Keep doing what you're doing, changing the world. The world needs more of you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fall in Love with Fitness. Whether you're already on your fitness journey or just getting started, we're in this together. Just head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review, and you'll be entered into the drawing to win my six-week transformation course. Then go to fallinlovewithfitness.com and get your free gift from me so you get back your energy and reinvigorate your life. Join me on the next episode, and remember, you are an inspiration.